I love this little quote here. Inactive Brits spend two times longer sitting on the toilet per week than they do exercising. <laughs> so here I'm going to suggest make eight suggestions for thinking about movement and how to build more movement into your day and lifestyle in a really enjoyable, purposeful way. Welcome to Successful Student Transitions. Perhaps you're facing a big life change, moving to university, a year abroad, a work placement or out into the world of work. Times of change like these can be both exciting and challenging. Our aim is to support you as you step out and find your new gear. Using the latest from research in this field, we'll be suggesting ideas from evidence-based practice to help you enhance your well-being in times of change. Our mission to help you settle well and thrive in this next stage of your life. So welcome to this episode, episode 25, on the fundamentals for well-being. Today we're going to be talking all about movements. Now if you'd like to access the full transcript and learn more about our other podcast episodes, click on the link shown in the podcast description given on your podcast app. That will take you to our website where you can download the free transcript for free. And while you're there, why not register for our newsletter so we can keep in touch and send you other goodies as well. So on to today's episode. Now to begin with, we're going to share the voices of three students from our Student Voices series as they talk about the value of movement exercise in their settling in process. You're going to hear from Rafi, episode 11, Ben, episode 12, and Toby, episode 14. In, in sort of thinking about those kind of early days and into that first term at uni then, were there things that you that you were glad you have did or things that you wished you'd done differently? Things that I think a really big thing is exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, your mum or dad always tells you to do, go and join the sports team. And like, it does sound, it sounds cliche, but it's so true because not only then do you automatically have, well, for example, in a netball team, you have eight other people you can be friends with but also just like keeping your body moving in that in that phase is so important because it's so easy not and i didn't so it's really easy to not move your body enough and become kind of like unhealthy and just a bit like sedentary yeah so i think joining a netball team is like netball or hockey or football or whatever suits you is you know you've got a ready-made group of people that you can be friends with and just keeping yourself keeping your body moving is just so important for your happiness because if you're not having a great time then just having at least once a week an hour of intense activity is always just going to be good for you i think the second thing is um knowing what you know that knowing um what makes you happy what keeps you physically and mentally and fit for me um you know i really enjoy running at the gym that that's something that is really a really important outlook for me when i've been stressed and things so when i got here it was one of my priorities was you know finding a gym and getting enrolled there and just knowing that i have that place to you know go just to you know help myself you know and maintain that you know mental stability so i think just knowing um you know what is important to you and what makes you happy and finding that is the second thing um, that i'd recommend something that i try and do a little bit about when people are going to university say 
let's plan for a difficult day because like you said you're going to have them um do you know what you do in a difficult day when you'll be having a kind of hard day um to be very honest i've had very little difficult days like it's been it's been very very good so far but on the days where i was thinking that ah this, this isn't going so well then i just like i said earlier just keep on doing the things you love but yeah. make sure you've got the chance to keep on doing things like so for me that's going to the gym that's playing football that's surfing things like that because i still had those sort of things i could always go back to then you know i always had chance to go and do something I, I love yeah so something very active for you is really important for the students then exercise was about stress release mental well-being social connection and doing what you know you enjoy both ben and toby highlighted that so how does exercise physical activity feature in your life how can you use it in the early days of your new life experience to help ease the transition And how important is movement for you in terms of supporting your well-being, do you think? In this podcast, we're going to discuss movement and the perhaps surprising benefits of various forms of movement, and then suggest eight ways that you can enhance the level of movement in your life. Hello and a really warm welcome to episode 25. So today we are going to be talking about the benefits of movement and how moving more frequently can benefit our well-being in a surprising number of ways. A spoiler alert though, it's not all about physical fitness, which I guess those of you who are anti-gym, and I know there's some of you out there, will probably appreciate. So I want to start with a quick exercise. So if you can, i.e. you're not driving or doing something that requires you to use your hands, I'd like you to grab a piece of paper and on that piece of paper, draw a circle, just one circle. Then inside, draw a much smaller circle. Now the bigger circle represents your physical activity and the smaller circle exercise. So exercise might be going to the gym, or doing, going for a run, those things that you sort of mentally class as I'm going to do my exercise for the day. Physical activity will be the things that you do that yeah, are physical activities. So you're perhaps going for a walk to the shops, you're walking the dog, you're doing a bit of gardening, shopping, and it all improve, means that you have to you know, physic- be physically active. Now I'd like you to draw a much bigger circle around both circles. Now this represents movement, and that is all the micro and macro movements that we make in a day. And so what we're focusing on today in this conversation is this big, broad picture of movement. And it's interesting, I think, when we think about movement, you know, we often automatically flip to, oh, how much exercise have I done today? Did I go to the gym? Did I lift my weights? Did I do my conditioning? Um, session did I do a hit session and yet that is just actually quite a small part of what we call overall movement as this exercise and diagram shows your circles show you so I'm here with Elizabeth today Elizabeth I'm really interested to know what did your movement profile look like yesterday well I don't know if I should say this or not, but I had quite a good day yesterday. It's not always like that. Um, so I go to uh, a class on a Thursday morning 
And yesterday I decided the class isn't that far away. It's about 10 minutes walk away. I just decided to run there to get a little bit of warm up before my hours class um, and then run back again. So I had weights and in a, with a group weights and different kind of exercises about strength and conditioning. Um, and then I ran there and back and then, and then, of course, I had a more, I had the rest of the day in front of my computer, more or less, maybe walking up and downstairs a little bit. Um, and then early evening, I went to meet some friends and it was maybe I decided again, it was a very nice evening. I walked there and I walked back. So maybe another hour and a bit's walk. So that was I think that was quite a good day, although it, I did have this sitting down bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe 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 it was the best day I've had this week. <laughs> what about yours? Brilliant. Yeah, no, my well, mine was a bit similar in the sense that I went to the gym in the morning, then I did a long dog walk, but then I sat down for most of the afternoon doing work, and then I was online for a four-hour training course in the evening, and so far too much sitting at that point. In fact that would have made me pretty sedentary for the day so I want everyone to hold that thought actually in their mind as we start talking about all of this because we've both described exercise and physical activity and then we've also described a lot of quite sedentary um, behavior and so the whole point about thinking about movement is where we can inject movement into our day particularly those moments when we're sitting being quite sedentary we'll come on to that a bit later um so just think about as you're listening to this perhaps pause for a minute and just think about what your days the last few days have been like from a movement perspective for you so um have we um become a bit lazy then I mean so we all kind of like not moving so much or I think we have um you know we we're all far less um mobile I suppose active than our ancestors so just a mere 100,000 years ago, our cave ancestors were superior in one very important way to modern human sapiens. What do you think that was? I guess it's movement topic today, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's movement, yeah. Cave people moved on average for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. In comparison, the average American is active for only 10 minutes a day. In Europe, we're a bit better. In the UK... And the average Brit spends 90 minutes per week taking moderate exercise. But 20%, 26% of us actually spend 30 minutes or less a week in moderate exercise. And actually, and I love this little quote here. Inactive Brits spend two times longer sitting on the toilet per week than they do exercising. <laughs> but it seems we have all become a bit lazy. Mm. Yeah. So what's that? What's what do you think is contributing to that then? Yeah, well, I think perhaps it's perhaps it is a bit of an unfair slur on our characters to say that we've all become lazy because I guess our reduced movement is a bit more complex than just you know, being attributed to that character flaw of laziness. And, um, you know, when we think about the evolution of lifestyles over particularly the last few hundreds of years, we can see why modern advances have led us to move less. You know, agricultural development, that brought the end of brought to the end the need for a nomadic life. Um, 
the industrial revolution meant that we became even more inactive. We're less on the land, more in factories. The computer age, the age of information, browsers and the internet, you know, everything's so accessible. Just as we're doing now, we can sit at our desks and look at our screen and get most of what we need. And even now with our handheld devices, um, you know, we can we can find our mates from those. We can order all our food on those. We can find all our friends and communicate and connect with all our friends on those. And so we don't actually have to go anywhere to do any of that necessarily. And of course, then when we do decide, well, okay, perhaps I will move and I will go and do some of this actually in person, we've got modern transport, which eases the pain of having to finally move. You know, and yesterday when I went to the gym to do my exercise, took the car there, um, and as I was leaving, I reversed. And we've got a new Volvo, electric Volvo, and it has this amazing camera that I just need to glance to the left and I can see what's behind me, all around me. I don't have to move my head left or right, look over my shoulder. You know, so we're restricting even those very minute movements that we would have done naturally 10 years ago in any car. Now we don't need to do in, in most cars. Um, and that has long, you know, if, if we don't move our necks, that has really big implications for our movement over time. Um, so even little things like that are affecting us and our movement. And I guess the students, <laughs> as hopefully a lot of you listening are students, they were, you know, this applies to you as well. Now, I was thinking the other day I was somewhere and there were university students zooming around on electric scooters. And I was just thinking, in my day, I had a bike. You know, I had to pedal power myself to lectures <laughs> or catch the bus and I had to walk to the bus stop. Um, and then, of course, lectures now. I mean, my daughter's at university and she'll say, well, I don't actually have to bother going to the lectures because I can watch them online. I mean, she tends to go because she likes the social connection that comes with lectures, not so much the walk up the hill to get to them, though. So, you know, we can make that choice not to, to go. And that means perhaps you watch online. It also means we don't move. It's kind of less movement. This kind of, as you were saying, this more sedentary life. What kind of impact is that having on us as human beings? Well, I think this is a really interesting sort of analogy to, to, to explain the kind of impact it's having. Um, there's a scientist who supported the first US astronauts on their trip to the moon. And she noticed that when we lose the impact of gravity, we very quickly lose muscle mass, our bone density declines and so on. And over time, we would suffer severe physical implications. But apparently, we don't need to go to the moon to experience this. We can just choose not to take exercise and minimise all movement, and we'll have the same impact over time. You know, so the impact of a lack of movement can be severe. And the reality is the majority of us, many of us, sit at our desks or in chairs watching TV for about nine hours every day. And as we do that, you know, our chairs, our sofas, they're designed for us to slouch. So we're not even sitting up straight. And now I've suddenly just made myself sit up straight in my chair here. And as I did, my back muscle, muscles engaged, my core engaged. But most of the time we're not. We're slouched. We're relying on the chair to support us. So our back muscles don't need to work. Um, and then once we sit down, the electrical activity in our legs shuts down. And then the calories that we burn decrease. Um, and the enzymes that help break fat down and our good cholesterol both decline. And horror of horror, <laughs> sitting down does actually make our backsides bigger. 
the pressure on the cells and fat tissues cause them to expand. And I definitely don't need that. So that's motivation enough for me to stand up for most of the day. And we run the risk of developing sitting diseases such as obesity. The you know, average result, average adult is three times more likely to be obese than in 1975. And then there's the psychological mental effect of mental health effect of a sedentary lifestyle. You know, it's linked to anxiety, depression, migraines, diabetes, cardiovascular issues, dementia, and some cancers. So lack of movement is really all pretty grim news. And I think there's a really good quote by a neuroscientist, Daniel Alpert, and he says, the entire purpose of the human brain is to produce movement. Movement is the only way we have of interacting with the world. So I just want to investigate that little quote a little bit. Um, you know, th this is why our biology, I think, this is why our biology includes so many ways to reward moving. And there's a brilliant book by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. Um, it's called The Joy of Movement. And I really high re highly recommend reading it because it just explains so much about why movement is so much more than about physical fitness. Um, she says that, that you know, one of the most common explanations for why exercise makes us happy is this endorphin rush, which I'm sure everyone has heard of, if not experienced. But she said that's a really simplistic explanation for why movement and physical exercise is so beneficial for us, because the benefits of movement go so much further than that. So physical activity influences many brain chemicals. So it influences brain chemicals that give you energy, alleviate worry, help you bond with others. So movement is often all about that bonding, and I'll come on to that later on. Produces or helps to reduce inflammation in the brain, which over time can protect against depression, anxiety, and loneliness. No, I said protect, okay? Um, I don't want to say that exercise is the way to cure all depression. I mean, that's, there's some evidence that that's not perhaps the case for some people with depression, but it can help protect over the, the long term. It remodels the physical brain structures to make it more receptive to joy and social connection. We'll come on to that in a minute. And the mind-altering benefits are even embedded into our musculature. So during exercise, our muscles secrete hormones into our blood, and that makes our brain more resilient to stress. And scientists have called these hope molecules. So they make us feel more hopeful after exercise, and you might be able to relate to that. So I think, you know, rewarding movement is how our body and brain encourage us to participate in life. Yeah. So we we take movement, we exercise, and we're rewarded for doing that. And then that makes us more energetic. It makes us or encourages us to seek out social connection and participate in life. Um, and so more than the positive physical impact on our bodies, movements intertwined with some of the basic human joys, such as self-expression. You know, think of dance and sort of active sport where you, you're expressing your abilities and your talents. Uh, social connection, if you think of team sports, group dancing, outdoor activities. And then mastery, we learn to develop skills. We become highly skilled at various sporting activities. Let's um, just think about walking, actually, we're all highly skilled at that, assuming that we're able to walk. Um, you know, and we can set goals and achieve those, and that all has very positive impact on our, 
our mental health and well-being too. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if we could bottle all of it, I often think after I exercise, exactly what you say, I feel so good about myself and those doubts I had before, or you know, if it's even going for a walk or doing something that might not be seen as kind of, you know, that gym exercise, <clears throat> just being aware of how good you feel afterwards is really important, isn't it? Yeah, so absolutely. You know, it's more than just it's more than just looking good, it's more than feeling physically fit. So Louise, can you tell us a little bit about how we can start to think about movement differently so that we can have have more of it in our lives or think about how we could put more of it in our lives? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and I just want to, before I do this, I want to just also recognise that some people, you may have limited capacity to move if you have various disabilities that inhibit that. So obviously, you know, listen to this with that in mind and um, some of it will still um, be very relevant to you as well. And so, of course, we could join a gym, a sports club. That's often the first thing we think about when we're thinking about, oh, needing to get fitter, doing more. And yes, that is part of the story, but only part of it. Now, if you're active at the gym for one hour, but then inactive for the rest of the day, you are actually classed as active sedentary. So, <laughs> you know, OK, you've helped a little bit, but you still are in that category of a sedentary person. So here I'm going to suggest make eight suggestions for thinking about movement and how to build more movement into your day and lifestyle in a really enjoyable, purposeful way. Because remember, we're talking about making these sort of well-being um, activities meaningful and purposeful for us so that we're more likely to do them. Yeah, it's not supposed to be another task, horrible task to add to your list. It's supposed to be enjoyable. <laughs> so firstly, don't just think about the formal and official exercise. So remember that circle at the beginning of the podcast, the little circle was exercise. That was what you might do if you go to the gym. Um, but we have opportunities for movement, small and large, throughout the day all the time so I'm sat at the desk at the moment I have movement opportunity for movement now in fact one of the things that people suggest you can do is apparently our calf calf muscles use up quite a lot of energy given their size so just going up on your toes and down up on your hands and jigging your feet around that can be really beneficial as you're sat at the desk so just moving in that way can be beneficial I'm going to try it I'm going to try it now (laughs) (laughs) jiggle your legs (laughs) Um, and research has shown that movement has an impact at the cellular level yeah so every single cell is impacted in our body by our movement and movement is both a whole body and a local phenomena depending on what we're moving so just a minute ago I was moving my calf muscle but my back was staying pretty still so we could be doing some good exercise that's moving the body but not moving all parts of the body so there would still be some sedentary cells going on in our body. You know, if I sit here, there's a mix of the two if I'm moving my legs. So the message is not to only move more, but it's to move more parts of the body and to be conscious of doing that. And small movements matter as much as big ones. So when you're thinking, exercise, I've got to go to the gym and do lots of weightlifting. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. That's great. You get muscle benefits of the release of all the homes we were talking earlier, the hope molecules. But... Also, sitting at your desk working and rather than just sitting there still and static or slouched against the back of your chair, 
just making small movements and thinking, well, I'll just stretch my hands and fit my hands. I'm just crunching up my hands and then opening up my hands. Um, that's a good benefit, beneficial exercise. It's getting the cells in my hands moving. I could jiggle my shoulders. And so just moving different parts of your body is really important too. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about movement, consciously thinking about how you can build some movement into your day, into your minute by minute day. So that's the first one. The second one, we talked about hope molecules. Um, movement creates these hope molecules and the benefits are even better than enhancing physical fitness. So our muscles are like an endocrine, endocrine organ. So when we contract our muscles in any movement, they secrete chemicals into our blood. And these have a positive impact on our hearts, our immune systems, and myokines have a profound effect on our brain, crossing the blood-brain barrier. They can act as an antidepressant, help us to be resilient to stress, enhance our motivation to learn from experience, so movement can provide this kind of intravenous dose of hope. Um, and I think there's lots of, there's quite a lot of studies and these are talked about in this book, The Joy of Movement, about you know, what happens when um, they've, they've done, they do a lot of experiments with um, mice, but when mice exercise a lot and encouraged to exercise a lot and then stopped from exercising, how, how anxious and depressed they can become when they don't get that dose of exercise. So, yeah, there's a really positive benefit from exercise and it doesn't have to be really harsh, heavy exercise. I'm not talking about embarking on marathon training. I'm just talking about embarking on brisk walking. That's enough to generate these hope molecules. Which brings me on to walking. Walking is really good for you. And I expect you've all heard um, about the need for 10,000 steps. There's been question marks over why 10,000 steps. And actually studies have shown that the steps above which a tendency to depression reduces is an average of 5,649 steps a day. So write that down on a post-it note and put that up on the wall. That equates apparently to about three miles a day. So walking three miles a day can have really beneficial mental health benefits. And you don't have to do it all in one go. You can break it up. In fact, there's a lot of evidence suggests that breaking it up into three one-mile walks might be better than one three-mile because if you do three one miles, that means you're getting up three times during the day and being active for one mile's worth of activity rather than sitting for three hours and then just doing a three three hour walk. So a three mile walk. So um, you know, really worth thinking about walking, um, walking to lectures. You know, so that's only one mile is only what 10, 15 minutes worth walking. Yeah. So walking to your lectures, walking around campus or working to work if you're working. And working, you know, getting off the bus one step earlier and walking that extra bit. This all adds up and makes a big difference to our health overall. Elizabeth, do you try and count your number of steps? At times. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be very sort of conscious and I'll be thinking, oh, I need to kind of get up and move a bit today. And it's usually when I've had a day sitting down before. Mm. So mm. I try and kind of balance it out. But um, I don't try and hold on to it too tightly. But mm. I do want to make sure that I'm moving to a certain degree. And I have a dog, so I have to walk most days, although not all the time if other family members are around. And I do notice mm -hmm. it when I don't walk. I do feel the impact, definitely. 
Okay, so that's the first three things to think about. The fourth is about nature and the benefit of being in nature and exercising. I'm going to hand over to Elizabeth to talk about that. It's something that I'm really very interested in is about us getting out um, outside in in nature and you know in terms of therapy you know you can find lots of different kind of therapy in different kinds of nature like there's can you believe there's surfing therapy or there's um there's a uh, walking therapy which is something I do but running therapy so I think that would be hard for me but so it's it's really encouraging you to do movement in outside spaces and there's been a, a, a sort of growth of of encouraging people to be outside for a number of reasons. Um, you might have heard this thing called forest bathing. It's something that was or, or originated in Japan, Shinyan Roku. Um, and that's where people have these slow, purposeful walks through forests and healing environments. Um, and they found lots of big benefits of of being like that and even from just being you know outside for about 15 minutes you can there's benefits being found there and it's really I also think it's been encouraged a lot <clears throat> because we have got this drive there is this thing called the biophilial um, hypothesis which says we we are drawn to nature we we are pulled in that way and sort of there we are now all more of us living in cities more of us staying inside, a bit like Louise said, more, more of us connected to screens. Um, children aren't playing outside as much as they used to. Um, and even with the pandemic, people were in their houses. So there's, there is, there's negative effects, as, as Louise was talking about that. So we've got to think about how do we combat it. So if you're doing your exercise, whatever you're doing, Elizabeth's going to say, try and do it in green spaces if you can. Um, from the Japanese research, <clears throat> there's less stress in your body, um, you're more relaxed, um, you have less feelings of stress, but also there'll be things like your blood pressure will be lowered or hired because that's what happens. There, there's this kind of homeostasis, what, ha- what happens when you go into a green space. So be thinking about where the green spaces could be potentially for you um, in your new setting, whether work or university, make sure they're safe ones that you're going to be in and think about how you can use them. And a couple of little tips about being in, in a green environment is that if you are walking, sometimes we walk looking down, don't we? But there's lots of there's some research around, around lifting your eyes up to the horizon, um, reducing stress hormones. So look at look at tree lines up at the top. So when you're walking, just lift your eyes up. You know, there's an easy thing to do. And the, uh, something else that would be kind of an interesting thing to do. There was some research by a woman called Monica Parker. She's got a great book called The Power of Wonder. And she set people out on to study if people were looking at for wonder in natural environments. And in a group where she set them off on a wonder walk, so it was to start with, that's what they decided that we're doing, to go 
places, look for wonder and then report back. But the people who were set that task to go on a wonder walk, they were less stressed, they were managing their anxiety better. And even in their photographs from the wonder walk, they had bigger smiles. Mm -hmm. So it might be even when you're going on a walk, look at the things around about you, look up into the horizon, um, look for things in wonder, because that could lift, lift you in any kind of transition that you're going through. So um, find safe, potential green places for movement. And if you can do it alongside others, other people, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, I'm going for a walk after this. <laughs> I just sold it to me there, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. So number five, um, I kind of this probably links partly to what Elizabeth's saying, but do what makes sense to you. So you know, if if it really appeals to be outside for your exercise, then yes, go and exercise outside because it's really important to choose and participate in activities that make sense and appeal to us because then more obviously more likely to repeat them. So for some people, they'll choose to do the more extreme sports, the long hikes, the runs. Um, and you know, that's great for them. That doesn't mean we all have to do that. You know, people talk about the runner's high. Um, they've discovered that that does really exist, but it doesn't exist just as the adrenaline rush and nothing more that people have talked about. It has actually a powerful evolutionary history and purpose. And the reason behind it, anthropologists are suggesting, is that hunter-gatherers needed something that would keep them motivated to get out and stay out for long periods of time. And the runner, runner's high helped them to do this. This was all about perseverance. It was about staying out there and seeing it through to the end so that they could bring back the kill to feed the tribe and the gatherers could bring back their gathered fruits and all that they found to feed their community. So it taught us about sticking at things, um, but that's not all. Hunter-gatherers, as I said, are part of tribes, and the purpose was to find food, to catch food, to supply food, but not just for themselves. It wasn't an individual activity. It was all being done for the tribe. And the tribes that were most successful of, at doing this were the ones that survived. So it helps to have that and to feel a sense of belonging, a sense of cooperation. So the runner's high actually has that kind of evolutionary basis and perhaps explains why when people are doing sort of extreme sports and or even long heights that perhaps aren't too extreme, but just include, you know, meaning a lot of moderate exercise, but from lengthy periods of time, you can feel that high because it is about perseverance you're feeling that achievement you're wanting and it's helping to get through and to finish um, but if you're doing it with other people it's about community too so get involved in group sports and enjoy that dual benefit of the runner's high perseverance with connection and cooperation so that's number five number six thinking time so this does link to a bit to this walking in nature um, because you know going back years and hundreds and hundreds of years, old philosophers talked about the importance of taking care of body and mind. So Aristotle walked and taught the basis of the word peripatetic. And Darwin talked about his thinking path. Emerson had his famous daily walks. So for them, it was really important to give themselves space to think, to talk and to walk. So yeah, walk with others and talk, 
but also have time to go out and just reflect on life and to think that is really powerful time it's when your brain does a lot of work that you're not aware it's doing <laughs> and perhaps some very interesting thoughts will pop up to you then I've kind of talked a bit about this, but number point number seven is all about micro movements, opportunities to move. So we talked about the benefit of these small movements. Um, remind yourself to do this though, so set an alarm. So, you know, we sit at our desk for hours. I'm really bad at doing this once I get into something, unless I set myself a timer, I won't get up for a couple of hours and I kind of hobble out of my office. <laughs> my knee gets really stiff and I, it takes me about 10 minutes to get back to full mobility. But if I got up every 20 to 30 minutes and just you know, did a few little movements around, it would really help. So if, stop, if you're sitting, stop, stand up and stretch. And remember, these small movements really count. Um, when we're sedentary, our insulin levels go down. So that's one really powerful reason for regularly getting up. Um, doing perhaps 10 star jumps. If you're feeling really active, 10 burpees, <laughs> you know, and then get back. Set yourself a burpee target for the day, 100, and mix it out through your studying periods. Then number eight, consistency. And when choosing your key forms of movement, think about what you're going to be happy to do consistently. Um, you know, what is your why for doing this? What, and, you know, often it's about what con connects with our interests and maybe social connection. Uh, Dr. McKelly McGonagall in her book talks about how she's a, an exercise instructor. She teaches exercises, has done for years. And she says she is just blown away every time she does a class and you get that kind of synchronized exercise, um, everyone working together uniformly and the powerful psychological benefit that has on people. And an interesting, useless fact, but an interesting one. Did you know that? your body odour changes. So your sweat changes. If it's happy sweat, it's different from ordinary sweat. Now, I didn't know that. But, I didn't know that. Uh, I've and so when there. someone else smells your happy sweat, it can improve their mood too. <laughs> I had no idea. So um, that's the reason for doing group activity as long as everyone's smiling and laughing. Yeah. So set yourself meaningful goals and, and be specific about what those are. Um, and then work to pull towards achieving those, recognising that there will be some bad days. It might be all great successful days, but you know, at least have some goals that you're moving towards. So in conclusion, movement encompasses all activity, so all activity and exercise, and we want to look to move multiple times per day. And one thing I didn't talk about was standing up working. So there's more and more written about the value of standing up you know, having a standing up desk. So if you are able to do that some of the time, that's a real benefit too. Um, we've developed a society to minimise the need for movement, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't move. So we need to look for opportunities to make different decisions that result in more movement. So my suggestion is take that circle at the beginning that we drew and populate each section. So what movement could you take? Just write in lots of ideas about the movements that you could do. What physical exercise do you enjoy doing? When will you think about doing it? And what actual formal exercise will you do? So a physical activity. And then what formal exercise do you enjoy doing? And make a note of that and look at it regularly, perhaps put it on the wall, add to it, delete, change is an evolving thing. It doesn't have to stay the same. And finally, in episode 22, 
talked about the PERMA framework. So what I suggest you do is think about the activities that you want to um, include in the three categories, the three circles. So your fitness exercise, your physical activity and your movement. Think about what activities you want to include in those. And then think about the impact they have on your positive emotions, your engagement, relationships, meaning and accomplishment. And you can just think about, you know, so for example, positive emotions. If I am going to go for a dog walk, then often when I'm dog walking out in nature, I feel well, I feel really well, I enjoy it. There may be moments of wonder and awe. I look at beautiful scenery and um that has a very positive effect on my, my emotions um, as well as all the other positive effects on my body. So just think about how each of those types of exercise can infect, impact PERMA positively for you. So that's everything for today. Elizabeth, have you anything you'd like to add? I'd just like to say that well, uh, it's kind of opened my my mind and my eyes a little bit to, and my body to kind of movement and to remember that these this is one of our the kind of dynamics of the fundamentals so movement is a part of it and there's you know we've we've talked already about um sleep um and we're going to be also talking about other things as well in, in the next episodes coming up so it's not move movement on its own will be good and it'll be greater in combination with other things. And, and and I think like all these things, they're not silos on their own. They're all they're mixed in together, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So have fun deciding how you're going to yeah, move <laughs> to maximum benefit. And um, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on movement. Why not take some time now to think about the key messages for you from this podcast? Does the movement feed or drain your wellbeing bucket? What small changes could you make to enhance your movement, your physical activity and exercise? And if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you may be interested to link back to three episodes that provide background knowledge for this series three. So episode 21 introduces you to the series, which we've called Fundamentals for Wellbeing, the Dynamics for Thriving Through Change. Episode 22 provides the Wellbeing Foundations and it describes the framework we've referred to in this session called PERMA, based on the work of Professor Martin Seligman. Episode 23, we introduce you to a fun concept called the Wellbeing Bucket. We think this is just a fun way of thinking about your well-being inputs and leaks. And finally, episode 24, we talked about the fundamentals of sleep, why sleep matters. It's a great introduction to the benefits of sleep and how to develop good sleep habits. And I think it probably links very well with this session too on movement. Now also, the student voices you heard at the beginning of this episode, you can listen to the full interviews with them. They are episode 11 with Rafi, episode 12 with Ben, and episode 14 with Toby. And finally, the book I mentioned was The Joy of Movement by Kelly McGonigal. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please follow 
and provide a review on your podcast app of choice. This really helps us to get the word out to other students about the podcast. Thank you for listening. Back next week. Meanwhile, have a great week. Bye-bye for now. And now for the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is for information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please do not delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. Use of the information on this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk.